0: Block Talk
1: Radio. Tonight on Dr. Anonymous Show 184, it is Saturday night. You know what that means? It's not as serious as our Thursday night show. It also means Cat will be coming up. We'll be uh, talking about how our week went. We'll be talking about some news stories. We'll be talking about a little this and a little that. So uh, we'll be here for the next two hours. So uh, get ready, kids, because we're going to have a good time tonight. On the Dr. Anonymous show starting, wait for it, right now. Welcome to the show that is passionate about medicine and social media. This is the Dr. Anonymous show live on a Saturday night here on Blog Talk Radio. My name is Mike Savilla, and I am Dr. Anonymous. But my friends, like all of you out there, I see all of you out there. You can call me Dr. A. To find out more information about me, just type Dr. Anonymous into your favorite search engine. I should be the top, top link. Over there, you can also go to DrAnonymous.com. It brings you the most current show schedule, some blog posts, and also some TV interviews with me with local TV news. Very excited about that. You can go to DrAnonymous.net. Shout out to all 272 people. That's right, 272 people. And Thank you for everybody who have joined in the past couple of days. I appreciate that. On the Facebook page. You can get some exclusive behind-the-scenes video of me doing this show, and you can also go to dranonymous.org. That brings you to the iTunes page, where you can subscribe to this show, and you can also listen in real time to this show on your mobile device, including your iPhone Blackberry Palm Pre Droid, including my new iPhone 4, (laughs) which we may talk about. Got that last week. Very excited about that. Shout out to all you iPhone haters. We love you. Today is Saturday, September 18, 2010. It is 8 p.m. Eastern time. And, uh, oh, I didn't check the temperature here. Let me check the uh, temperature here at Dr. Anonymous World Headquarters here. It is 68 degrees Fahrenheit. It is mostly cloudy, but tonight it's going to rain and storm. So get ready there, kids uh coming up tonight will be uh just in a few minutes our good friend cat will be coming back on to uh just chat about some stuff i do have some new stories here and the uh, cat did as always awesome show prep getting some stories uh for tonight's show so we'll be uh talking about that and uh, whatever else you want to talk about tonight so um so i did email the burl here this evening and uh He told me that the the, Annie Borough Live show should be be following this show at 10 p.m. Eastern time. So uh, looking forward to their show here this evening. Uh, But before we get going here, I do want to thank Blog Talk Radio for featuring the show again this evening on the front page. Welcome to those of you who are new to the show. I've been a social media hobbyist since 2005. And if you're curious, yes, I am a real doctor here in northeastern Ohio. And if you're listening live, which is the best way to check out the show, you can see me on the webcam. I do have the green hat on this evening for those of you who are familiar with that. So if you're not listening here or listening on the archives, hey, you're missing out. Sorry for your luck. (laughs) Uh, So before we go to the break here, I do want to give a, a big shout-out to the people in my chat room here. So we have uh, J-Man, J-Man, uh, the, uh, <laughs> the fastest-growing show here on the Blog Talk Radio network. Of course, his show is called I Am With Stupid, and uh, I still think that they're on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern time. They had very something very creative last week. Blog Talk Radio, I think, was blocking them, but then uh, the J-Man did rescheduled their show later in the afternoon. So uh, go and uh, check that out. Um, I think they're going to be moving to the Friday night slot coming up soon if Block Talk Radio lets them. (laughs) Also, Kimmy in my chat room. Love the droid, Kimmy. (laughs) Kimmy is our droid expert. And also Liz, our good friend Liz, devoted listener to the show. Thank you for dropping by again uh, this evening. And a couple of guests. Uh, Shout out to the guests there. And if you're new to the show, uh, Welcome. I encourage you to register here at the Block Talk radio site, and you'll be able to chat along with everybody else and uh, to uh, make fun of me at the same time. And if you uh, click the, uh, uh, click the uh, webcam icon, you'll be able to see me doing the show right before you rise there. And as I say that, the guests leave the room. Scared everybody away. <laughs> so you're listening to the Dr. Anonymous Show a member of the Family Medicine Education Consortium at fmec.net, and also a member of the Better Health Network at getbetterhealth.com, and also a member of the ProMed Network, a podcast. You can get there by going to promednetwork.com, and we'll be right back. Yes, that's right, curing that pesky rash, just with the sound of my voice, this is the Dr. Anonymous show right here on Blog Talk Radio on a Saturday night on the line we have with us right now, my good friend, Kat. Kat, how are you doing uh, this evening?
2: Hello. <laughs> how are you Hello. doing, Dr. Anonymous? I am great. I was just about ready to crack open a Red Bull.
1: Wow. Man. And uh, how does the Red Bull taste this evening there, Kat? Ah,
2: Delicioso. I needed some wings for tonight. So, as you all know, Red Bull gives you wings. So, cheers, everyone!
1: (laughs) (laughs) Wow, man. I do want to give a big shout-out to Survivor Stephanie, who has joined us as well. So, thank you for joining us here. So, so uh, you, how's it going there, uh, Kat? Uh, how, how's your how's your week go? Uh, was it uh, was it uh, crazy as usual? I presume.
2: Well, yes. Work never work ne- is in the summer. Work never slows down. And like I said, I think it was last week on your show, September. Well, I mean, I've only been working there since July, and this is a new hospital I'm working at. And even though I've only been there three months. <laughs> September has been the craziest month, so and i I don't anticipate that it's going to get any slower anytime soon, until the winter hits. And winter around here, temperature wise, is very short.
0: <laughs> but I
2: mean, still the summer months, I think it's from May to October it's considered the busy season for us. So, uh, but, like, for instance, like on Twitter, I see people tweeting about all the cool temperatures they're getting now that fall has started, and I'm so jealous because it's still super hot down here. Like, bad. Like it really? Was, but at least we got out of the three digits, you know. Ah. Sometimes, sometimes the heat index will get up to, like, 105 or something, but... The actual temperature is not in the hundreds, so
1: that's good. Hmm. Wow, you're you're ready for the show. You got the Red Bull. You got the clapping. Um, you're, you're, you're you're ready for the show tonight, there, cat. you I always, I
2: always got the clapping going on. <laughs> but I don't want to have the Red Bull. I haven't had a Red Bull in a while, and I said, you know what? I'm gonna have. A I know
1: what, uh, what. What's the reason for the Red Bull? Was it was it for the show? I mean, uh, did, did you think you were going to be crashing during the show, and you needed the Red Bull, or what, what's up with that?
2: Mm, I didn't think I'd be crashing because I'm not particularly sleepy. I just wanted that extra kick. You know, I wanted to be on fire for your show tonight.
1: Uh, you're always on fire for my show. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I'm a flaming hot Cheeto. <laughs> that's right, that's right. And uh, we do have a guest in the room. Shout out uh, to the guest. And uh, if, that's, if that's my stalker, you know, th- thank you for joining me here uh, this evening. I hope Jamie gave you the right notes, and uh, probably did because you're here uh, listening. So, uh, welcome. Shout out to the uh, to the guests there. So, uh, but before we go on here, cats, you know, I just uh, I want to give a big shout out to. Uh, to Mama Anonymous uh who doesn't listen to the show uh which I'm proud of but uh, it's her birthday tomorrow and uh, we're going to be going up and uh, celebrating with the folks up there tomorrow so uh, so shout out to you and happy birthday there Mama Anonymous
2: Happy birthday Mama Anonymous <laughs> we'll <clap> for you <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh yeah yeah how's uh, how's your mom doing how's your, how's your how's your mom and how's your cats doing because I, I, I get i get some messages about that every once in a while how's how's all how's cats cats doing where you're at
2: cats cats are awesome right now um i have one that needs to go and get shaved really bad she needs to get wow <laughs> She needs to get groomed. See, I have a couple of long-haired cats. Well, actually, I kind of have three, but the third one, it's not like really long hair. It's like medium length, and uh, she, uh, it never tangles or anything, so she doesn't necessarily need to get her hair cut. And then the other one, the second one that has long hair, loves for me to brush her, so she looks awesome all the time. And the uh, third one, this third one, the one that gets, I just get her shaved because she's too antsy. She doesn't like for me to brush her. Like I can do two or three brushes and she's <clears throat> away. She's far gone because she's just too antsy. She doesn't like it, so it's just easier to shave her.
1: So, so Ken, I have no idea how this how this happened. So, can you can you describe to the listeners the, the proper way to to
3: stroke the cat? <laughs> Wow! Is
4: this the Annie and Burl live
2: show? <laughs> <laughs> oh
5: gosh! What well, can I mean, you just? I don't even know how to answer.
1: <laughs> All right, we're twelve minutes in, and I've stumped the cat, so that's good.
5: <laughs> stumped me!
1: Stump me. Uh, um. Uh, I also want to give a big shout-out to everybody who, uh, who joined me on uh, this past Thursday's show, show number 183. We had a good, very good crowd for that uh, show. And, Pat, I know you were there as well. And uh, uh, we had uh, some medical students on who uh, um, do a show, podcast, uh, while in medical school. Um, and uh, they're called uh, Radio Rounds. You can get there by going to RadioRounds.org. And uh, they're also broadcasting tomorrow, I believe, Sunday at noon Eastern Time. At uh, You can hear their show live at Radio Rounds dot org and uh, i thought that was a great show i you know i just think it back Kat. i mean me back in medical school i wasn't even thinking about doing anything else other than uh, studying and sleeping and going to class um i don't know if you have any good or bad memories of of nursing school when you were going through there
2: well i mean i kind of did the same thing i mean i spent a lot of my time studying so Yeah, it is hard to believe that they can find time to do that, because medical school is way more, much more studying than nursing school, I mean, I can't even imagine having time for anything else, I would think that even if you spent your, if you're in medical school, even if you spent your entire waking hours studying, it wouldn't be enough, just some stories I've heard, but, uh, I was pretty good, I I was really good at the studying thing, you know, the first semester and everything, and, uh. But then there was this time, and this was right before I got diagnosed with the Hodgkins, right? I'd be in right. and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I'd get so sleepy that I'd have to lay down, right? And then I'd lay down and just fall asleep for like two hours and then wake up, and and it would just come out of nowhere. And then I got the diagnosis, and I had to take time off nursing school anyway. But when I got back to nursing school, um, I still studied a lot, but I think that experience kind of made me chill out about things and was like, ah, uh, you know, I had like this awesome GPA before the cancer and then after. It was still good, but it went down a few notches, <laughs> Pulling right. something notches, you know, not, not the entire point. But, uh, yeah, I, 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 most of my time was spent studying, so I don't know how they they find time for that. And, of course, when I went to nursing school, they, they didn't have all this. You know, I mean, I, we we barely had the Internet. Yeah. I remember my friend Kathy, the one who had called into your show, she had a computer and they had the Internet. And she and she was the one who kind of introduced me to it. But it was still so primitive back then. And I remember she thought it was so cool that, that there was like movie trailers that she could download, right? She downloaded a movie trailer and it she, we were so excited, and it took, like, 45 minutes or longer. I don't remember. And it was like, you know, this short little movie trailer. But we're like, wow. <laughs> it's like, it took a long time to download it, you know, and it's just so funny how far we've come in regards to Oh, yeah. So maybe, you know, maybe that's what helps students Find time to do these things. I don't know because the internet's so fast, and you can. I mean, I don't know. I'm just making up something out of my head, but.
1: Oh, and I love when you do that because uh, I I don't know how these these guys and gals do it do to, to that either. It's uh, it's incredible. It's it's, it's it's and it's really good. I'm, um, I uh, yeah. I remember when I started doing it, I was Like, I have no idea what I'm doing, and then you know you have these uh these uh med students um, just like doing a great job so uh, so if you haven't uh, checked out show number 183 or radio I encourage you to do that and thanks for everybody who uh able to check out the show um, so why don't we do this we'll, we'll take a break and then uh, our next segment we'll talk about some health stories and uh, uh, the first story we'll be talking about after the break uh, will be the shootings um, at uh, Johns Hopkins which were in the news uh, this week and I know Kat you have something to say about that but hold on to that Uh, We will talk about that and a lot more stories here tonight on this two hour edition of the uh, Dr. Anonymous show. So uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Back to the Dr. Anonymous show on a uh, Saturday night, and uh, in this uh, in this segment here, we'll talk about some uh, health related stories. And uh, I'm gonna have Cat on the line uh, with us. Cat, uh, welcome back to the show. Hello. <laughs> uh, so this uh, this first story we'll uh, talk about. I do have a, an audio segment here that'll kind of start things off here, and. Uh, Uh, This will give probably a pretty good background if you haven't heard about this story, but I would imagine if you listen to the show, you probably have heard of this story already. So let me play this audio clip and we'll talk about it.
0: World-renowned Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore became the scene of violence and fear as police officers dressed in riot gear surrounded a gunman barricaded in one of the hospital rooms.
4: message from our security system saying there's a shooter on Nelson 8, so we all ran over to the windows and our was right in front of the hospital, and so we saw cops, I mean, completely swarming the area.
0: Paul Partis, also known as Warren Davis, was talking to a surgeon about his mother's health when he became distraught over the news of her condition. Police say during that conversation, he pulled out a semi-automatic handgun and opened fire, hitting the doctor once in the abdomen.
3: The doctor collapsed just outside the doorway of the room, and uh, Mr. Davis was last seen
1: running into the room brandishing the handgun in the direction of his mother who was confined to the bed.
0: A group of nurses was gathered in a nearby conference room for an orientation class.
4: We saw doctors pushing um, a doctor on a stretcher. We thought it might have been a drill. The doctors were very calm. They had gone back and forth in front of the room.
0: Moser and her colleagues learned it was a real emergency when a security official stopped by to check on them. Word of the shooting quickly spread beyond that eighth floor room to the rest of the medical center.
1: Well, we tried to leave to go to lunch. We were visiting my nephew on the fifth floor,
0: and uh, they told us to go back to our room. It was locked down. After about two hours, police made their way into the room and found the 50-year-old shooter on the floor, his mother in the bed, both we're dead.
1: We are treating this case as a murder-suicide, and obviously um, the shooting of the doctor preceding uh, this discovery.
0: Authorities say they don't know what Jean Davis was being treated for. According to the hospital's website, the eighth floor where she was staying usually houses patients with spine, orthopedic, and musculoskeletal conditions. Ross Simpson. The Associated Press. Uh,
1: so, Kat, so I, for me, um, you know, I've never been in a hospital or in a lockdown situation except for, like, a weather situation where there was, like, a tornado warning or something like that, and, you know, and no one was allowed to leave or anything like that. But uh, um, I, I, have you ever been kind of in a lockdown situation in a hospital, and, and what are your thoughts on this story here?
2: Um, actually, I have. Been in a lockdown situation in the hospital, and it was like I, I, I don't know. I guess I could if I don't say where it's at, I can say it, right? If I'm um, in the hospital.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, I would think so. Yeah, I mean, they don't listen to this show, so come on.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it was, it was a bomb scare, and uh, they actually did find something, but it was, I think, like a handmade kind of thing. Uh, it wasn't like a huge like, massive bomb or anything like that. So
1: how did did you learn about it? Was there announcements? Was it just, like, phone calls? I'm just kind of curious about how a hospital would communicate that they're on a lockdown without, you know, um, having a whole panic situation, you know, happen.
2: Well, you know, from what I can remember, because it was a while back, uh, I believe they called it Code Black, if I'm correct. Uh, But it was more like my charge nurse. Told me about it. I think it was more, you know, everybody communicated via phone. They didn't really announce it over the, the overhead, right? And I was so scared because I was like, you know, it was almost the end of the shift. I was almost ready to go home, you know? And I'm like, I could die tonight. <laughs> I was just like freaking out. not, You know, because every second you're like, is the place going to blow up? You know, you, you wonder if every breath is your last. I know that sounds kind of dramatic, but you just don't know. Like, I didn't know how big the bomb was or what exactly was happening. I didn't know all the details. And uh, when, by the time I finally did get out, uh, there was like, the, even the parking lots were like, it was police all over. They were, you know, guiding people away. There was fire, you know, fire engines, police cars. Nobody could come in or nobody could go out. It was, so freaking scary! Uh, I had this friend of mine who she's from. Uh, where is she? she? Portugal from Portugal, I believe. She's she's so cute. Okay, <laughs> she was so scared. Like she turned to me and she started speaking speaking to me in Portuguese. And I'm just kind of looking at her like, huh? And she was, oh my gosh, because <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just so nervous, I don't even know that I'm speaking to you. And, you know, it's like she couldn't even, she didn't even realize, because she has little kids, she just had a new baby, she starts crying, she's on the phone with her husband, she's so scared. I'm like, it's going to be okay, girl, it's going to be okay. And, you know, even though I was scared, I was keeping it together, you know, because I was just so freaked out by the situation. But, I mean, we were getting the unit ready, we were getting all these things together, because we were about ready to take all the babies out into the parking lot. But right, everything right. Got cleared before that had to happen.
1: So now I know some uh, some hospitals and our, our hospital is one of them too. Is that sometimes we go through some drills as far as in a disaster type of situation or you know in an emergency? Well, I guess hospital is an emergency, but in those type of situations where you have to you know move patients or you have to you know do that type of thing, Um was that. Uh, Did you guys do, like, some practice drills before or some kind of in-service or, like, orientation or any of that type of thing?
2: Um, You know, I I don't – not for that kind of situation. I mean, they tell you what to do. It seems like, you know, maybe way in the past I've been involved with some kind of drills where you just kind of partially do everything, you know, like, okay, this is what we would do. But this was, like, so not even a drill, you know, it was kind of freaky because it was, like, real, you know. And mm-hmm. I don't I don't remember doing a drill
1: necessarily for that. Uh, okay. I oh. So um, so moving on to this uh, this John Hopkins story uh, then uh, these shootings and things and what was your reaction to when you uh, we started reading about this and starting learning more about this uh, situation up there.
2: Well, first of all, I was kind of surprised that, well, I guess not, I guess I can't be surprised. You know, you go to any hospital and it's like no firearms. That's the first thing you see on the door, you know. But there's not like metal detectors there, I don't think, as far as I know. Uh, It's not like people the front detector, you know, frisk you and see if you have any weapons on you. But, um, so I guess obviously he had it concealed. But I wonder if because of this, if we're going to start going to, like, you know, in high schools they have metal metal detectors to, you know, check for any kind of weapons. I mean, I wonder if hospitals are going to have to become the same way because of this kind of thing, you know. Uh, and, and this guy, I believe he, he was so mad because the doctors, he didn't like what they had to tell him about his mom, that the pro, whether it's the prognosis or whatever. So he shoots her. Right. Like that makes things better. Oh, you're so pissed off. She's gonna die. You're gonna do it ahead of time, right? You know? Right. But I've also been in a situation in another hospital where uh, this mom had a baby, and the ba- the the baby ended up being okay. Actually, came to NICU, but the mom died. And I don't know. If she, I can't remember if she died on the table. I think she did, if I'm correct. I don't remember, but she died. And someone in the family, I don't remember if it was the husband or whatever, threatened the doctor that they were going to kill him. And they did. They, you know, I don't know how many, how long after, I don't know if it was weeks, months, I don't know exactly, he was shot in a parking lot. (coughs) Wow. Yeah. So, you know, that's really scary. And because of that, well, excuse me, because of that situation, sometimes I get scared, you know, like, you know, I hope I never piss off a, a family member that much, that they would follow me out to my car and stab me, you know, I mean, oh, I never yeah. think of being in the healthcare profesh- profession as being such a dangerous profession, but it can be for irate family members, if they don't like the care you've given, or they don't like the prognosis you've given them, or if they think you're guilty of killing their loved one, your life could be in danger.
1: Uh, yeah, I know there's been a lot, there was a lot of chatter this week um, on the people I were following on Twitter and on, uh, on blogs and things um, saying, hey, you know, what is, the, what is the next step? Just like you said, uh, you know, our metal detector is going to be the, the next thing in hospitals. Um, and uh, our friend Dean Brandon, um, who's been on the show uh, here before, uh, he's typing in the chat room here, um, about New Orleans and he said uh, at a charity hospital in New Orleans, let me scroll up here, a gunman came um, in shooting, ran outside, police shot him, and then they brought him back inside to patch him up. Uh, wow. <laughs> that's just, that's, uh, but, um, and uh, so it's just, yeah, is, is that going to be the next step? I mean, kind of, I'm kind of thinking this out in my own hospital. There are so many entrances into the hospital that's one thing Um, i don't think hospitals can afford a metal detector at each of the entrances Um, and the next thing is that um, you know people joke about going through uh, metal detectors in the airport and they have things like pacemakers and artificial knees and hips when you go to the hospital there's a greater percentage of that's going to happen so how are they going to get around that so um, so that it's just an interesting argument as far as you know, having firearms, you know, uh, in the hospital and, uh, you know, in states like this in Ohio, you know, people can um, carry concealed weapons um, legally, you know, they have to go through training and they have to have a license, all that kind of stuff. So how would that affect that type of legal uh, situation? So, so uh, all of these, all these things are, are have been talked about, you know, in the, in the last week, and will be talked about more um, as the, as a, a uh, as a result of this story, but it's just, uh, it's just, sends shivers down my back sometimes as far as, Oh, well, who did I upset today? And, you know, am I afraid to go out to my car and see who's out there waiting for me? You know,
2: Well, it really does hear me. And it uh, it pretty much because of that story I told about the, the doctor being killed, because I'm like, wow, that really can happen. You know, just because a family member threatens, it doesn't mean they're just upset. They might really actually be serious. And, uh, and I was kind of shocked when I heard because, yeah, he, we know he threatened him and all this, but to think that somebody would actually go through with it is just freaky. And, uh, you know, who, I, I don't even know the exact story and how, why she died, but I don't think it was anything that was the doctor's fault. You know, maybe she had severe PIH. I don't know. Uh, but Yeah, yeah
1: and, and we should say we don't, we don't know anything about any of the circumstances of this patient, obviously, patient privacy laws and that type of thing, so we can only speculate on kind of what happened. And in that audio story, they, they did give, you know, the floor and what typical patients are there. But as you know, I mean, you, know, you can have patients anywhere with any kind of medical condition in the hospital, so it is just definitely speculation on what the exact circumstances of it was, but, uh, it's just, just tragic. I mean, it's just, uh, it's really sad.
2: Yeah. And yeah, I don't even know her name, so I don't even know if she had PIH. <laughs> I'm all like worried now because you, talk, you said the HIPAA word and I'm like, oh crap, did I say something too much? <laughs> oh no! <laughs>
5: don't, don't
2: put me in jail, HIPAA. Please don't put me in jail.
5: <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: HIPAA scares me, man. It's like you're afraid to say anything. I, to me, it's like if there's no name being said, it could be one of a billion people, you know? Right.
1: It's right. just like crazy. Um, and for people who don't know, HIPAA is, is, is the is the name of the patient, the federal patient privacy law. And if, uh, if if providers or doctors or nurses or anyone else breaks that, that is huge financial consequences from the federal government. So it's... It's something that we joke about, but it is uh, very, very serious um, when it comes to things like social media, when it comes to blogging and podcasting and anything else. So, uh, so yeah, I'm kind of a little bit scared of that, too.
2: But I didn't say too much, you don't think? Government, I don't have any money, so leave me alone. <laughs> I, didn't Did I? I
1: didn't
2: say too much. I didn't say too much. What?
1: No, not at all. Not at all. Okay. Now, let's move on to this next story here, and it's, you know, it's, <laughs> when I – well, and this is kind of serious, too, and, it, and it, when I say what it's going to be about, people are going to smirk about it, but it is kind of a little bit serious as I, as I outline this. Um, and it, um, I, I, I know you're going to have something to say about this, too, Kat. Um, so there was this uh, this baby in, I think it was Miami, um, <clears> at <throat> a children's hospital there, um, and it was born and... Um, this the, the, the controversy, at least in the medical community, about circumcision is a whole different uh, conversation, which we won't get into, but uh, this story kind of gets into uh, permission to do a medical procedure, which circumcision is a medical procedure, and I think some doctors in the hospital are going to get in big trouble about this. Let me uh, play the story, then we'll talk about it.
6: Baby Mario is only seven weeks old and yet his family believes he's already been a crime victim. They're planning to sue South Miami Hospital after doctors performed an
7: unauthorized circumcision on him. We believe this is not just medical malpractice. We believe that what happened here, because it was an unauthorized, unconsented surgery, constitutes a battery. Vera Delgado
6: says her son had complications after birth, so he spent 10 days in intensive care. She says while he was there, the hospital staff asked if she and her husband wanted the baby circumcised. She says they repeatedly said no. However, on the 8th day of Mario's hospital stay, Delgado discovered a painkiller in her son's bassinet and was told by a nurse that doctors performed the circumcision on her son. South Miami hospital officials admit the mistake. They say the consent form was misread. Myra Lopez, the Associated Press.
1: Now, Kat, I don't know what you think about this, but, I mean, you know, the last five seconds of that story is just like, oh, they misread the uh, consent form. And, you know, at least in my hospital, and I would think in most hospitals, that, um, you know, consent forms when it comes to any kind of procedure, you know, um, has to be, checked and double-checked, and, you know, if it's not, everything's not properly done, then everybody stops. But, um, you know, a story like this is just, um, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm kind of shocked about it, and I'm, I'm really curious to see how it, how it all plays out. But, but doing a procedure without permission, uh, no matter what the procedure is, uh, that is a, a big deal to me.
2: Yeah, I mean, a lot of this story doesn't seem to make sense in the sense that, consent story consent stories. consent forms are to consent to something, not to not consent to something. I mean unless like okay, for instance, if we have some kind of medical procedure done on a baby, they fill out the consent form, but there's a part where you say yes or no to blood or blood products. you know you, you cover in all the other bases, right? whether they want it or not. But why would you sign a consent form to say you don't want a procedure done? I mean, I've never heard of that. And right. also, also, we don't even ask the parents if they want a circumcision. They tell us if they want a circumcision. Also, thirdly, they rarely do them in NICU. Rarely do them, do them in, in NICU. You, you mainly, I've seen it done in NICU, but it's usually done in the nursery. And I guess if NICU parents want to have that done, they get it done later in the doctor's office or whatever. So in here, and I guess down here, it's not as common, you know, uh, the Hispanic culture. They, some of them do it, but a, a large majority of them don't do that, right? Uh, I think it's usually the whiteies that do it. <laughs> but, right. uh, but usually, and like I said, we don't even ask them, oh, are you going to get the baby served? You know, they tell us, oh, I want to get my baby served. Oh, okay, well, we'll get an order for it. Then they sign a consent form. And then that's it. So I and she said she repeatedly told them no. It's like they were trying to force her to get a circumcision. Um, that's right. That's so weird to me. That's like an. That's like an. That's not like saying, "Oh, your baby really needs blood. Do you consent? No. Well, you really should think about it. You, do you want to give blood? No. You know what I'm saying? It's not like something that has to be done. So right. it's just so weird that they would they would bother her about it.
5: Right, it's, it's right.
2: Even ask her about it in the first place. So now, that, um, oh, go ahead. That baby was Hispanic too. It's in Miami, so I'm surprised that they push for like Mexican and Cubans. Yeah, it's different Hispanic sub subtitles or different, you know, different Latin. But it's still the Latin community. I don't know if Cubans do it more. I have no idea. But like I said, it's just not that commonly done here. So.
1: Um, and now, yeah, I was going to ask. And, and Jamin already brought this up. And uh, I was going to ask you this too: uh, if if you're involved a lot with consent forms, and the only thing I could think of, and Jamin brought this up too, was a language problem or difficulty. And, and he he asked in the chat room here: you know, do they have consent forms in Spanish? I presume presume that they do. But at your hospital, I presume that they have different, you know, other than English, a consent form that they sign, because I would presume if you don't understand what it says on the paper, then why would you sign the paper that you don't understand?
2: Exactly. Well, I've seen – it's weird. Some hospitals I work at down here, they'll have both the English and the Spanish consent. Um, But some places only have the English consent, but, I mean – it has to be, um, I mean, I, I, there's no way that we would ask someone who doesn't speak English to sign something unless they were thoroughly explained about it by a Spanish-speaking person. And And besides, any consent that they sign, for, whether it's circumcision or some kind of surgical type of procedure, the doctor is going to talk to them about it, not the nurse. The doctor says, "Okay, you want to have this done. These are the compli- possible complications. These are this, that, that, and the other." And most of our doctors speak Spanish. So, but if a doctor doesn't speak Spanish, he'll find a nurse who speaks Spanish and he'll have her translate. There's sh- there's should be no there should be no problem with you know uh, communication on that on that end. There's enough people down here that speaks both languages that somebody can interpret for you. Um, but yeah, I was so. I thought that that story was so weird. It's not like a baby got blood against somebody's, you know, will. It was a and 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 who signs consents not to get something done? That just doesn't make sense to me. Like I said, you know, if you fill out a consent for something, and maybe having get, having to get blood is is a possibility during the surgery, then you have to ask that, and some people may say no
1: you know but right, right
2: i i just never heard of say of have you of signing consent
1: uh yeah i mean it's 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 not really a a consent um but um and you don't deal with this with your population um but with with adult population and especially geriatric population you know they have that whole do not resuscitate um condition where you know at least in this state people have to sign and saying I don't want everything to be done if my heart stops or if uh, I can't breathe. I don't want to be put on the, uh, you know, on a ventilator or anything like that. So that is that is the other side of the coin as far as signing something, saying I don't want anything to be done.
2: Well, yeah, we have that too. No, that I understand because that's a possibility of something that could happen. But there's right. no the circumcision is a choice. It's a thing that can't. That doesn't have to be done is what I'm saying, something that is just purely elective, right. purely a rental preference, not like right. yeah, right. obviously DNR or those kind of things, or even actually even the the when they come in, they sign that you know the advanced directive, and some places will have them sign like maybe in NICU, you know, especially in NICU i've always seen where okay uh, they'll sign. Whether or not they want blood or blood products, just from the very get go, because that's a possibility of something that the baby will have to have. There's not a possibility that they're going to have a circumcision unless the parents say they want one. That's kind of why, right? I'm sure of elective, right?
1: Kids. Right, so, right. No, no, I, I, get what you're saying, and, and, and this is purely um, speculation on my part. Is um, I wonder if that hospital down there is a teaching hospital. And I wonder if some interns and residents are kind of part of this deal and, uh, you know, didn't follow the book as well. And, uh, you know, just they just wanted to get a procedure done just to get a procedure done. And, uh, you know, it'll that, be interesting to see how this, you know, how the investigation plays out as far as, you know, what, what uh, what's going to happen. And Survivor Stephanie also says in, in the chat room there, that, uh, you can sign to refuse treatment or to leave the hospital, um, it's kind of the DNR thing, but I get what you're saying, Cat. I mean, you you know, you have to sign permission for an elective type procedure and uh that that's a definitely a good point.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's why it didn't make much sense to me. But uh yeah, that's that's yeah, they're gonna be in trouble. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Uh I wanna uh wanna uh, welcome Durham Doc uh to the uh, chat room. So I know Durham Doc and he's uh, out there. You've got there on the uh, on the west coast there, so uh, thank you for joining us here and well we have a couple other news uh kind of medical related news stories here before we uh before we move on with this uh, segment here and uh um I have a lot of my patients here uh who ask me about this uh you know these uh, electronic uh, cigarettes and uh um, and I have a lot of my patients you know they're they're, they're trying to quit they're trying they're doing their their to quit and you know they they hear all the uh, stories and, and uh, news stories about uh, the pills and medications and the side effects. They're looking for a lot of uh, different uh, 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 possible solutions to try to get off smoking. And, and they've been they, they bring me these articles about uh, these electronic cigarettes. And I have the story here um, <clears throat> that uh, we'll talk about afterward. That's uh, it's interesting that's come up here. News
6: they first told you about concerns about so-called e-cigarettes almost two years ago. Now the FDA is getting involved sending warning letters to five e-cigarette makers. The e-cigarettes are marketed as a healthier alternative to smoking, but testing has found cancer-causing chemicals
2: in some of the cigarettes.
6: That's Dallas ABC affiliate WFAA reporting the latest target of the Food and Drug Administration, electronic cigarettes. The FDA says e-cig makers are illegally marketing their products as smoking deterrents without approval. We're analyzing coverage from WFAA, The Wall Street Journal, Health News, and AOL Health. The battery-powered devices use liquid nicotine to create vapors instead of tobacco smoke. The Wall Street Journal spoke with a nicotine addiction specialist.
1: There are a lot of reasons to believe
7: logically that e-cigarettes offer a safer profile, but I want data that demonstrates
1: safety.
6: But an e-cig maker says the FDA is looking at things the wrong way.
1: My theory is this, something that seems so successful as a smoking alternative and seems quite popular. I feel they should be more concerned in regulating it and adding the appropriate tax.
6: The FDA says the companies are in violation of the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act for making unsubstantiated claims and demonstrating poor manufacturing practices. A blogger for Health News agrees. She says because there has been little research done on the safety and effectiveness of the e-cigarette devices, it is a public health issue for which the government should intercede. And AOL has spoke with a doctor whose opinion is clear. E-cigarettes aren't nicotine patches and shouldn't be advertised like them. That people might take up smoking e-cigarettes is a very real concern. It's a lot like people who give up coffee only to replace it with No-Dose, a caffeine tablet. The FDA gave the e-cigarette companies 15 days to respond to the request. For Newsy.com, I'm Jennifer Meckles. Multiple sources, the real story.
1: So this is an interesting story there, Kat. I mean, the, 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 the government wants to take it off the market, but the people that still support it saying, you know, government shouldn't take it off the market, but they should regulate it and make sure that uh, it is saying um, and doing what it should be saying and doing. So it's, it's an interesting story. I have my patients ask me about it all the time, um, and I'm just kind of you know, wondering what's going to happen with all this deal.
2: Well, I, you know, I hope they don't take it off the market. I'll say that because um, how can it how can it be? That's people just being too picky, okay? Maybe it's not totally, perfectly, one hundred percent. Like I, I don't know how it can be that bad if it's just the nicotine. It, it is. A, it's in the vapor, okay? The oh, the battery in the little cigarette heats up the liquidated (laughs) nicotine, and basically people are smoking, yeah, the nicotine, but the vapor is what makes it look like smoke, right? You're not getting all those other crappy chemicals that's in there. You're not getting the smoke and the tar and all that. So how can it not be better? You know, why do people have to mess with, we have, cigarettes are legal. If cigarettes are legal, the electric cigarettes should be legal. I'm sorry. That's just stupid. (laughs)
1: um and i mean and this could be the government just trying to you know try to muscle its way around on a product like this that is that they you know it's not regulated it's not regulated by them um and it could be them just trying to um you know trying to get it off the market and that type of thing so but you know i i have a lot of my patients that ask me about it and um that uh um and you know, honestly what I tell them, you know, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I've seen the advertising and I've seen um, you know, some of the stuff that, that my patients bring in from the internet and uh um I don't know. I don't know. Um but I do know that, you know, um, you know, smoking nicotine is bad. And uh we have to try to find some creative ways to try to have people stop smoking. If if this can do that and, and it's not harmful then um I think it's reasonable to try out, but we'll just have to see how the story plays out, too.
2: Well, you know, I think nicotine is harmful in the same way caffeine is. It's maybe not that great for you, but it's not, like, terrible for you. And I think the worst part of smoking, like I said, is the, the tar and the, all the other chemicals that are in it. And, okay, oh, it's not a nicotine patch. Well, what does a nicotine patch give you? Nicotine, you know? Uh, I think the government is being stupid. I think they need to leave people alone and worry about real problems like the economy and jobs and terrorism. That's the kind of things they need to be worried about, not trying to take away any little bit of comfort people need. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. You know, let's worry about real problems, government people.
5: <laughs> I'm sorry. I,
2: I'm just, you know, it's just when I hear things like that, because you know they also have that uh, it's a prescription. Is it? Nic- it's a Nicotrol inhaler, and it's just the nicotine too. But it doesn't give you the uh, vapor, right? It's the vapor. See, I think with the e-cigarette, it gives a smoker the most. It's the most like thing like smoking a real cigarette, right? You have the size of the cigarette, because those Nicotrol inhalers look like a tampon, okay? They don't look like a cigarette. You have an e-cigarette, it looks like a cigarette. The little end lights up, just like the little cherry would in a a cigarette, and you're breathing in vapor, water vapor, uh, that's probably actually even good for your lungs, (laughs) and you blow out the vapor. It's the most like-smoking thing that. That people who want to quit can find. So I think it's a great idea. Um, You know, I I think if if I were a doctor, I would say, well, you know, they're still out on that. You know, as far as whether or not they think it's safe, but here's what I think. I think it's better than actual regular cigarettes. That's that's probably what I would tell my patients, but.
0: You're you're
2: you're being good since you don't know the whole since we don't know the whole story. It's probably best to kind of tell them. I, I just don't know, but I still I I think it has to be better. I just can't imagine it being just as bad because of like what I said. Yeah, and that's my yeah. soapbox, and I'm sticking to it.
1: <laughs> um, and uh, Dean Brandon is our in our chat room. He has a comment here. He's a dentist, and he says, "Smokeless tobacco, not good, but better than smoking." Question mark. Lots of controversy in the dental community a while back. How dare you suggest smokeless rather than total abstinence? If they can't stop, why not? Government should stay out of it. So yeah, I'm all for government staying out of uh, uh, things that are they shouldn't be uh, involved with.
2: <laughs> I- love that guy, thank you for saying that. Here's a clap for you, my friend <laughs> um,
1: who, was
2: that so, that what's that? who was that again? who said that yeah Dean
1: brandon he's been he's been on the show before he's uh, uh he's a dentist and uh, um he does a lot of uh, uh, social media stuff uh, for him personally and for his business and uh it's been a while since he listened to the show, so I appreciate you here uh chiming in and uh, typing in the chat room there so yeah so uh so thank you so much um, um our last story here in this segment here and then we'll uh we'll take a break um people may have heard this story about the actor uh michael douglas who uh, has a new movie out and uh he was on the david letterman show uh recently here talking about his cancer um, and how it was diagnosed um, at a late stage, but uh, he has undergone treatment about it. And uh, <clears throat> I will uh, play this story here, and then we'll talk about it.
4: Michael Douglas's stage four throat cancer diagnosis has been swirling around the media lately. But now the actor is speaking out about the disease. Douglas appeared on The Late Show with David Letterman to talk about it.
7: He came back, and a guy said, Ah, and he said, Let me just take a little clip of that. This has all happened within three weeks, and um, got a uh, biopsy and they analyzed it. It's a stage four, which is intense, and so they got to they go at it. The things that changed, I understand, um, is the chemotherapy in terms of being able to deal with, with the nausea.
4: Mm-hmm.
7: Um, but it, it, it knocks you out really, really hard.
4: ABC News took Douglas's diagnosis as an opportunity to talk more about throat cancer in general. The actor said his doctors told him he had an 80% survival rate from a stage four cancer. Doctors say the optimistic prognosis is rare in throat cancer, which, if it is associated with smoking and drinking, as the actor suggested, is usually around 60%, but only if caught in the early stages. The Telegraph has reactions from his wife, actress Catherine Zeta-Jones, who says she was pretty angry with doctors. It makes me furious they didn't detect it earlier. He sought every option, and nothing was found. I knew something was up. He knew something was up. Showbiz Tonight says the interview with Letterman showed true bravery from Douglas who got some uncharacteristically serious sympathy from Dave.
7: Douglas's display of bravery was enough to touch the caustic letterman. I feel like I want to do something for you. Can I do something for you? Ah, give me a hug. Oh, All ah. right, my guy.
3: Michael Douglas is going about this cancer fight in a very straightforward and yet very realistic way. He's being very open about it and very frank about it, and maybe he can help others. To
4: see Douglas talk more about throat cancer and his prognosis with David Letterman, click on the link at the end of our transcript section. I'm Lisa Caverly for Newsy.com. Multiple sources, the real story.
1: So This is a nice, uh, nice story, but uh, uh, well, the, the reaction I'd, I'd like to get from Cat, is that, I mean, you're, you're a cancer survivor. And his 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 diagnosis was um, at what he's calling a later stage, and uh, went to the doctor. This is his story. He went to the doctor. They couldn't find anything, and then uh, went to more doctors and couldn't find anything. And then they finally found the cancer. Um, you know, I'm not sure what stage what yours was found or treated at, but I guess from a patient standpoint, it's it's big can be pretty frustrating. Um, you know, not really finding what the right diagnosis is, and when you actually find it, saying, hey, I I knew something was wrong the whole time.
2: Yeah. Um, Well, from the time I first went to the doctor to the time I was diagnosed was only about a matter of a little over a month. And basically, like, okay, I, I had the lump in my neck, and I went to the the general practitioner who gave me the antibiotics. Well, two weeks later, when I went back and it didn't work and it got bigger, then he sent me to the ENT who did a biopsy. So it's not that they did anything wrong. It's just that, you know, that you try things first. If it doesn't work, you go to the next thing. And uh, But I was in stage three. I mean, it just happened to be a, a fat, a rapidly growing cancer. And that just scares me when I hear things like that um, about you know, people that, you know, they'll go to the doctor, they'll go to different doctors, and nobody can find anything. And then finally a doctor finds something. And it's its not some weird, crazy uh, disease that nobody's ever heard of. It's cancer, which is something that you thinks should have been found pretty, pretty much the first. I mean, yeah, my general practitioner didn't know it was cancer, but he sent me to an ENT immediately when he saw that the antibiotics didn't work. You know, I mean, it. I'm just surprised. And it, you know, he's got to go to good doctors. I mean, he's he's got a lot of money. He's. I'm sure he had, you know, decent doctors, or you would think. So it does scare me when I uh, when I see things like that because, like, if somebody in my family has some kind of symptoms that are going on and we and nobody can figure out what it is, I always worry. I hope it's not something really bad, and that just the doctors are being stupid you know or they're just not looking in the right places or whatever so uh yeah i would be angry too you know i would be angry too if but i was i was pretty lucky even though it was only a month like i said i was stage three out of stage out of four stages i mean some some cancers are just rapidly growing i mean if they would have diagnosed (laughs) fairly quickly, and he was in a late stage. Well, you could, you, you can't necessarily say that's the doctor's fault. It could just be a rapidly growing cancer. He just went to the doctor too late for it. But it sounds like he went to more than one doctor who couldn't find anything.
5: Right, so, right.
2: So how do you miss cancer? It's, it, like it's throat cancer, right? So he had something going on his, in his throat. So they check his throat. How do you miss it? Right. Got to right. look something weird in there, I would think.
1: Well, maybe I you know, I I don't I'm not defending them, you know. I just uh, uh Oh no, I you know, know. <laughs> It's uh you know, it it could be it, and it could be really subtle. It could be really really subtle. i just kind of, you know, just uh trying to play things out as far as, you know, what what could have happened in this in this patient's case. And it's a famous patient, but he's a fa you know, this patient's case. Um, you know, the other side of that coin is that, oh, well, if we're worried about cancer, then we should do every single test that we should do on every person who's worried about cancer. That's the other that's the other side of that argument. Um, but really doesn't work for him because he has a lot of money and he can get any kind of test he wanted. But, um, yeah. you know, a, a lot of people say, you know, a lot of people see me and say, hey, you know, I don't feel good. I think. You know i don't you know, some some say i i think I have cancer i should you know I should do everything to to test for that and it's it's difficult from my standpoint to try to uh try to talk to people about that and to um saying you know you know, maybe you know maybe it's not cancer maybe it's something else or maybe it's not even a medical diagnosis you know maybe you just you know whatever so um so even though this is a it, it you know it's a brave story it's great that he came out and talked about it. Um, But yeah, the 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 delayed diagnosis part is is frustrating, uh, not only from a patient standpoint, but from my standpoint because people are going to be looking, pointing that, and saying, "Oh, well, you know, you know, Michael Douglas kept getting testing and testing until he found it. Why don't you do that with me?" And uh, you know that could be frustrating from my standpoint sometimes.
2: Yeah, that's true. I, yeah, I mean that's definitely true. You because you you're not going to necessarily do every single test when you know, somebody comes in with a complaint. And see, my my case also was different. Like, if he didn't have any, like, lesions or tumors or anything that were evident, then you can see more how that would happen. Like, for me, yeah, I had the lump on my neck. And, you know, when the antibiotics didn't take care of it, in fact, he said it had gotten bigger in the two weeks because it seems bigger. Obviously, send me to an ENT who's going to biopsy it. I guess mine in, in that sense, because we don't know – we don't know exactly uh, the symptoms and all this or how it looked in there. You know, I'm sure if, if the doctors say, oh, this looks really suspicious, let me send you to or an ENT. Uh, unless he went immediately to an ENT, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I see what you're saying, and that that would be, I think I could see how that would be frustrating. You know, when you have an obvious a uh, lump somewhere that's not perfectly round, you know, it's not cyst like and it's it's odd shaped. I would think most doctors would say we gotta biopsy it. And since that's what I had, maybe that's why it was so easy to detect.
1: Um, and you know, some of these procedures, you know, they're they're not totally benign. I mean going in and cutting part out of a vocal cord of an actor Um, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of (laughs) stressful. I mean, if if you hit the wrong thing, you know, then that could be really, really bad. So, you know, I'm sure that they, you know, may have talked about that and said, Hey, you know, that this is one of the side effects or possibilities of going in there and, and, uh, cutting out a part of your vocal cord that, uh, you know, that you have your whole living on. Uh, so that is, you know, that is not an easy conversation either. I wouldn't think.
2: Yeah. True. Now I would be afraid to work on a celebrity. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um and if if people haven't checked out that, that interview on Letterman, uh it, it's all over YouTube. It's it's a very compelling interview. Um uh, it, 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 it's 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 it he talks about his movie, but he talks about him going through the process, of uh, being diagnosed and going through treatment and where he's at now and uh um, if you haven't seen it, um, I would do a search on YouTube. Check it out. It is uh, it, it is a good interview to watch. Um, so we're at the top of the hour. Now what I'm going to do is uh, we'll take a little bit of a break, and then we'll lighten things up here in a little bit. Uh, we'll uh, uh, After this, we'll we'll uh, have our, a little bit of our sports segment uh, coming up. And uh, um, part of that segment, we'll talk about this story. I know, uh, Kat, you're really raring to talk about this story, about this uh, This Mexican sports reporter who was in the New York Jets locker room uh, last week. So I know you're raring to talk about that, but uh, we'll take a break, talk about some other sports stories, and getting ready for hour number two here of the Dr. Anonymous show. Don't go anywhere. To Dr. Anonymous show live on a Saturday night here on Blog Talk Radio. Thank you so much for joining me for our number two. Big shout out to the people in my chat room here. We have Dean Brandon. We have Derm Duck. We have Dr. Synonymous, who is in here after his uh, usual fight with the Blog Talk Radio chat room. So welcome to you, sir. Have a couple of guests, J-Man, Kimmy, Liz, and uh, Mama do thank you for joining us here this evening, and of course, on the line with us on Saturday night we have uh, Kat. Kat, how you doing? Are you hanging in for the uh, for the second uh, half of the show here?
2: I'm doing great. The Red Bull has kept me wide awake. <laughs> well, I, like I said, I wasn't that tired before, so I'm good. I'm um, growing weak as we speak. <laughs>
1: And uh, as far as I know, at the top of the hour, the next hour, will still be the Andy and Burl live show here on Blog Talk Radio. So, Kat, do you think they're going to have a show tonight, or do you think they're going to cancel? What do you think?
2: I don't know. The way they've been uh, going lately, I-, I really don't know. <laughs>
5: <laughs> if you would have asked
2: me six months ago, I would have said, Andy and Burl not have a show? What, has uh, hell frozen over? <laughs> <laughs> They,
5: oh we,
2: uh, cancel a lot so
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: so as I'm, uh, as I'm looking at the uh, the sports scores here, you know i I really want to thank you, Cat, for being on the show tonight because uh, you know because your LSU Tigers are on the uh they're, they're playing right now, and it's uh, nineteen to seven. They're in the third quarter as far as I have the updates here, so uh you know I, I imagine you have the uh, the game on in the background somewhere that you're watching.
2: Well, they don't have it on TV, and I'm so upset. You know, I was looking on on TV, right, and ESPN, they're playing, uh, which game are they playing? I think it's Texas Tech and and something else. And they're also playing it on one of the major stations. I don't know if it's ABC or NBC or one of those stations. And I'm like, that's so not fair.
5: (laughs) (laughs) And it's because
2: I'm in Texas. You know, if I was in Baton Rouge... I'm sure I'd be watching the LSU game, but no. <laughs> Very sad.
1: Uh, well, our good friend Dean here is a big Alabama fan, so uh, Alabama won 62-13. Uh, to 13, And he says in the chat room, since the Alabama game is over, why not listen to Long Talk Radio? That's right, why not? And uh, J-Man says, Arkansas 31, uh, Georgia 24. So that's your sports update and of course uh, let's see in the middle of that uh, musical segment was the of course the Ohio State fight song and uh, Ohio State uh, won today uh, it was like 40 to nothing or something like that <laughs> I had my score up here and it's gone now oh <laughs> uh, there it is 43 to 7 over Ohio University so uh, so yeah so LSU is number 15 what do you what do you think of them being number 15 is that to...
2: Well, a good I would like, I'd like them to be higher, I mean, of course, but uh, at least they're in a list of top something. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's a whole change from the year of 2007 when they were, like, totally number one in the freaking world. But uh,
5: <laughs>
2: 2007 was the dream team of all the years of LSU's existence, I think. And I mean, I'm sure they're still good. I haven't seen them enough this this season to to know. They've only had one game on TV. So, uh, but hopefully, you know, I love the coach. I think he's awesome. So hopefully, we'll we'll get up higher on the list. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and of course, uh, I'll give a brief NFL fantasy football update. <laughs> Okay, that's enough. Because I lost.
5: <laughs>
1: I lost both of my games, and, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just saying that, you uh, know, I'm not really feeling the fantasy football this year. Maybe because I lost and I'm bitter. I don't know. But uh, the first week did not go uh, very well, so I'm hoping that the second week will go a little bit better. And, uh, and our, our friend and your friend, J-Man, on their show, they do NFL football picks on their show, and I know they'll be talking about that tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see what what other updates do we have before we get into this story. Oh, our you know, our, our high school team here, they were we were really excited. They they won their first two games of the season, but last night they lost, so they're uh, kinda of bummed out about that. And uh <clears throat> our our local uh, local university here, uh, they won their game tonight there too, so uh so kind of excited about all of that. But uh let's uh let's get into this uh let's get into this uh this reporter story. Let me find the uh <laughs> let me find the, the audio clip here before I know you're ready to talk about this, Kat. Let me let me talk. let, me get, this, let me get this audio clip out here first. So I hope I uploaded it here. This could be uh um,
5: It would help it.
1: It would help if I labeled it right. Oh, here we go. Okay. So uh, let's... uh, Yeah, here we go. We'll go talk about this.
2: The sports reporter for Mexico's TV Azteca, Ines Sainz, allegedly faced harassment for Jets players in the locker room following practice on
3: Saturday.
7: Inez Sainz, the self-proclaimed hottest sports reporter in Mexico, is at the center of the sexual harassment complaint. Fox News reports another female reporter filed the complaint with the NFL after witnessing Saturday's events. Head coach Rex Ryan and an assistant coach Dennis Thurman were purposely throwing passes in her direction along the sidelines. You can see some of them here, her own video. Now later, other reporters say Jets players in the locker room were making catcalls and rude comments when Signs walked in to interview quarterback Mark Sanchez. After originally tweeting she almost died of embarrassment, Signs now says it wasn't that big of a deal. A New York Daily News reporter disagrees, while a USA Today veteran tells CNN this is
3: pretty rare. It's been a long. Battle for access and equal treatment uh, for women in sports uh, who try to cover sports, and uh, it's it's sad to think that we still have to deal with an issue like this.
8: There have been hundreds of, maybe even a thousand women, you know, that are covering sports today for newspapers, radio, TV, uh, many in locker rooms. Yesterday, the NFL, college
3: football on Saturday, yeah, yeah. Major League Baseball, and the they, weekend, they do a fat, and you they know, did, and there they, were no they, incidents.
7: And on MSNBC, Tamron Hall reads dueling viewer tweets. One says, blame the players, the other, blame the bosses.
4: It didn't matter what she was wearing. Thank you for being our voice, because I said to Michael Smirconnish, what does it matter what she was wearing? Another person says if TV outlets hired journo's instead of bikini models to do their sports reporting, maybe female reporters would get more respect. I think a lot of female reporters, journalists, would take issue with that. Sports reporters would take issue with that.
7: Finally, on HLN, Joy Behar asks signs the question directly. Was she asking for trouble, or at the very least attention? And you're wearing tight jeans, etc.
2: That people say you shouldn't be shocked if the men respond to you with cat calls. How do you respond to that? No, absolutely no. I think I have one style.
8: I I make like I, I don't know over 250 interview one on
7: one with the best players in the world for the different sports, and it's my style. So does Signs have a serious complaint here, or did she have it coming? I'm Shan Seals for Newsy.com. Multiple sources, the real
1: story. Uh, so, <laughs> as we start this conversation, our uh, good friend, j has probably a picture of this person. Yeah it's, uh, yeah, it's in the chat room. You can click and <laughs> check it out. Uh, so, <laughs> so, Kat, what do, you, what do you think of this sports reporter story here?
2: Well, I mean, I think that... Um you know, first of all, when I saw her and when I saw them the, the making such a huge deal out of this, I thought, you know, okay, yeah, she had the belly shirt on, but it wasn't like, you know, she was wearing a skirt where you could see the bottom of her butt cheeks or anything, you know. And, you know, I where I live, which is on the border of Mexico, the thing, one thing I could tell you about the culture is that Mexican women, they're expected to look, Super hot all the time, okay? Uh, I swear that the the the, the well, in, in Hispanics, I think in general, the, the females are born with high heels, okay? I got my ears. My mom's from Guatemala. I got my ears pierced when I was like three weeks old. That's very common too. Uh, now, of course, my mom was, I guess, Americanized enough to not let me wear makeup until a, a certain age, you know, when I was a teenager. But I've even seen kids who I think are too young to be wearing makeup down here, okay? So she's probably used to looking so good in Mexico, and people don't make that big of a deal about it. You know, she comes to America, and all these men act so undignified. Oh, my God, a hot chick. Let me make some rude comments, some lewd comment, you know. In Mexico, she's a dime a dozen. There's a ton of girls that look hot like her. And, and, you know, you see a lot with Mexican women. They won't leave the house without their makeup fully on, their hair done. You know, if they wear jeans, if they wear jeans, they're really nice jeans, they're really tight, and they got heels with them, too. (laughs) Okay. So, you know, if if anyone watches Telemundo or any of those uh, stations, they'll see that, you know, a lot of women look like her. They're expected to look very good all the time. And she even said herself, she's done 250 plus interviews and never had that kind of resp- or that kind of uh, problem, I guess. But I'm sure she, you know, when she was doing the interview with Joy Behar, I saw the video. She was like on location in an outside area and there was a bunch of cars. I guess she was outside of the Jet Stadium and every other car, they were making comments of The guys were whistling and making all these comments. But I'm sure she's used to it. And I don't know if she made that particular uh, – I don't think she was the one that originally complained. I think it was they said the reporter that, that complained and, and said all this. but And she kind of said, oh, it's not a big deal. And, and she tweeted she was embarrassed, but it doesn't mean she's saying, oh, this is terrible. I'm getting, you know – uh, my rights are being violated or anything like that, or I'm being harassed or anything like that. She said she was embarrassed because there was a naked guy in there. Now, male reporters, journalists, are allowed in the WNBA uh, locker rooms, okay? I think, and I another video I saw where Joy Bayar had like a panel of people talking about it, one of the ladies, she had a lady on there who was also a sports reporter, I believe. And she says, the, the problem is, because Joyce says, well, you know, people make the, the, the comment, well, why not just wait till they're all finished getting dressed and done and everything? And she was saying, well, we have deadlines. Sometimes we have to go in the locker room get those interviews because we have deadlines. We can't sit there and wait for them to get ready and shower and put on their clothes and all that, right? But... You know, if you want to prevent any of these kind of things from happening, you pretty much have to keep journalists out of the the locker rooms. Uh, so, uh, but I found an article today uh, about something Jen Sturger, who used to be who used to work for the Jets, I guess in the basically the same capacity as she did, who was basically uh, judging her and saying that. What did she say? Let me see here. I got it right here uh da 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 da, 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 da. She ex- she, okay she says about her she accomplished exactly what she set out to do are you kidding me exactly what she set out to do shut up jen sturger uh jealous much you know i think you're just a little bit jealous because she stole your thunder is what i think cuz jen sturger that's exactly why she got hired because she dressed like that and cuz she looked hot you know, unfortunately, that's the kind of world we live in. <laughs> if you want to be a female sports reporter, you can't be ugly. Sorry, that's just the way it is.
1: You know, Kat, uh, I think I think uh, I think you'd you'd be uh, an excellent sports reporter.
2: Aw, thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> Love to do that, and if if guys want to whistle at me, uh, that's fine. As long as they don't say anything crass, you know. I like I like for guys to think I'm cute, you know, or nice looking. That would be, you know, that's a compliment. And everyone said, including Inez, that nobody touched her. Nobody said anything really crude. It was basically like wolf whistles, cat calls, that kind of thing. But um, and I do think she she probably dresses maybe a little too provocatively, but. You know, I think that uh, when you're a a journalist in sports, this was one thing, again, that that woman on on Joy Behar's show, the one who I guess herself was a sports reporter, she says, they're kind of like, do I act more like a journal, or am I a journalist or am I an entertainer? If you're an entertainer when you're in that arena, when you're an entertainer, you might feel like you need to dress up sexy like that because, you know, rather than... You know, dress more conservatively, but uh, and and Jen Sturger in this interview was saying like, well, now I dress more conservatively, and and you know the past year she's gotten more conservative, and and that since she's twenty seven, a whole whopping old twenty seven years old, gravity's catching up with her. Wow! And, uh, <laughs> but she took she said she said she took out her implants and all this stuff. Well, honey, if you're if gravity's catching up with you, you probably shouldn't have done that. Because the implants might have, you know, helped with that problem. Old lady, yeah, right. I can't, you know what irritates me? When 20-something-year-olds complain about being old. That is so irritating. (laughs) It just drives me crazy. It's like, oh, my gosh, what are they going to do? Like, now, when I turned 30, I'll admit, I was like, ugh, you know, because you're finally out of your 20s and God help me, I'm about to hit the 40s, and I don't know what I'm going to feel like. And I'm sure 60-year-olds would be annoyed with me saying, oh, my gosh, I'm 40. But in your 20s, you're still young. <laughs> you're still young, <laughs> Jen Sturger. Now wow. And
1: uh, Jamie put a picture of Jen Sturger in the chat room so people can know what they're looking at there. And yes, I agree with you, Yeah.
2: But, uh, no, Jen Sturger, I think that that was so catty for her to, to diss Inez like that. When she got the, where she was for the same reasons and dressed just as provocatively, and as if you see her online pictures in her underwear, you know, oh, okay, well, that's more conservative, I guess. You know, she has no right to judge anybody. If she's become more conservative now, great. But don't don't judge somebody somebody else when you did the same thing. That's how I look at it. And I happen to love Inez's uh, accent. I just have to say that.
1: Oh yeah, I agree with you there. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. But I do have a
2: problem. I do have a problem, kind of, with her saying she's the hottest reporter in Mexico. Maybe I have no problem part. with that. Well, I, but I mean, she might be the hottest reporter, but she definitely ain't the hottest woman in Mexico like I said she's a dime a dozen but I think that the Mexican men probably don't act the same way as the American men they're just they may see her as beautiful they may look at her but they act more they they are calm about it because like I said there's another one right next to her that looks just as good so they got AI candy all over the place
1: alright uh, so that uh, that ends our sports segment here uh, tonight uh, what we'll do is uh, we'll take another break here the show's going fast tonight don't you think they're, we're flying through this
2: it is I can't believe we only have about a half hour left So
1: uh, in our next block of stories uh, we'll be uh, talking about your good friend Lindsay Lohan <laughs> uh, we'll also ah. be talking about uh, somebody who put acid on their face on purpose what is up with that we'll talk about it um, and leading off the seg- next segment will be a, a district attorney who is uh, sending text messages to somebody. <laughs> it's sad, but, I mean, this, I hope this guy just really gets thrown out. So we'll talk about that right after these uh, couple of music segments. We'll be uh, right back here on the Dr. Anonymous show. Don't go anywhere. I back to Dr. Anonymous show on uh, Blog Talk Radio on a Saturday night. If you like what you're listening to, I appreciate it. You can go to dranonymous.org. That brings you to the iTunes page. You can download this show. Also, uh, become a friend on Facebook. You can go to dranonymous.net. And, of course, the uh, blog website, dranonymous.com. And Cat, uh, I have a uh, update here. LSU twenty six, Mississippi State seven. Twelve minutes and five seconds left in the game. So we think about that, Kat. Woo hoo! Go
5: Tigers! <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: boy! Wow! <laughs>
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man! <laughs> uh, so let's so let's start this segment here. Let's start with your good friend here, Lindsay Lohan, and uh, I, know, I know you want to talk about the story. Let me play this here, and then uh, we'll talk about it. Guess what? She's in trouble again.
0: Lindsay Lohan could be looking at more time behind bars. The troubled actress has failed a court-ordered drug and alcohol screening within the last month. I'm nervous. <laughs> a person familiar with the case confirmed the result Friday. It's unclear though what substance triggered the positive test. Lowens already served 2 weeks in jail and another 23 days of inpatient rehab for a previous probation violation. A hearing would have to take place before the actress could be returned to jail. It's unclear when that might occur. A judge had threatened the 24-year-old actress with 30 days behind bars for each probation violation. Ross Simpson, The Associated Press.
1: So, Kat, hey, she failed a drug test. Oh, are you surprised by that?
2: No, I'm not. Um, but did you see all her tweets about it? I don't follow her, but I saw on... Um, there's some news articles now, or thing, or articles, not, you know, out now, that she tweeted how she failed the drug screen and that substance abuse is a disease and oh, how did she write it? Uh, it's um, a work in progress and all this stuff. And I, I think that she's supposed to go to jail for any, you know, drug screen that she missed. And she was supposed to go to jail for three months before, right? Three months and then three months or six months in the rehab, something like that. She spent 10 days in jail and then 23 days in the rehab. Uh, So, of course, she can get away with anything. You know, in Texas, especially if she wasn't famous, they would have locked her up and thrown away the key. I think that you, you only get three strikes and you're pretty much out here as far as you go to jail for a long, long, long time. This girl, the only way she's going to get better is if they really, put, you know, put down the consequence and make her and stick to it. You know, put her in jail and keep her there. Otherwise, she's going to keep doing this. Um, to me, it's like if you're just like, if, if, some, if she was just a drug addict and stayed in her home and did her drugs but didn't necessarily go out and drive and put other people in, in harm's way, it wouldn't be so aggravating as far as her not getting, you know, I think drug addicts deserve and alcoholics deserve a chance to rehab because it is a disease and they can get better. But if you're always going out, if you continue over and over again to to drink and drive or do drugs and drive, then you should go to jail because you're putting other people at risk. You know, it's, it's not right for them to just let her keep getting away with all this. And I even saw, now I do follow Dr. Drew because I love him so much. He uh, he retweeted some of her tweet or one of her tweets as far as the addiction is a substance abuse da 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 da
0: and then he puts
2: his little comment in there. She finally gets it. Uh, give her time and I forget what else he said and understanding. And then he retweeted a couple of other people who tweeted him back saying, Yeah, but how how far how long until she ungets it? And he said, "Only to, well, we'll have to see." And then somebody said, "I think she's just playing, she's just playing the court. Like she's tweeting all this to make it look good for the judge type thing." And he goes, "Well, again, we'll have to see." That's how he responds. And I think the second guy is right. I think she's probably doing that so that 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 judge won't put her butt back in jail. But. Uh, uh-
1: well, I mean, I, I mean, uh, you know, Doctor, you know, an argument can be made that Doctor Drew was doing that uh, tweeting too to, you know, get her on his show. <laughs> I mean, oh, I know. Too, I you know, know what I mean?
2: Well, you know, he wants her on his show so bad. But I wonder. I think the only way she'll ever go on that show is if they really say either you go on his show or you go to jail for a year. I bet your her butt will be right over in that show. I bet you anything. Any amount of money, you know, because she wants to avoid jail at all costs, which is surprising why she keeps – well, I mean, it's not surprising. I mean, if you're truly an addict, your, your brain doesn't – your brain lies to you and says, oh, you can get away with it this, this time and you can do it this – you know, that's part of the disease. But uh, I think a lot of it, too, though, is that she's famous and rich and they all can get away with it. They They really do get away with a lot because of their fame and their money. And I I just think she truly has to hit rock bottom before she decides she wants to get better, whether it's going to jail for a long time, a significant amount of time, or, God forbid, she gets in a car and ends up killing someone. You know, it has to be something severe for that girl because nothing seems to be getting through. I don't think I would have liked 10 days in jail, even just 10 days. I think one day would have just shocked me into to reality. I don't know. But I'm sure she got special treatment too when she was there. Like remember that girl, that other uh the other girl in jail one of the jail jailbirds in there who did an interview said she got to keep in her extensions. So they let her keep in her extensions. So she got treated fair. No, she got treated uh, special.
5: Like I'm who
2: cares, right? At that point, but And I'm sure they kept her away from the general population, too. I say make her hang out with the murderers and all that. She'll straighten up. (laughs)
1: Um, And speaking of people getting away with stuff, um, I'm going to shift to this other story about this uh, district attorney, and I think I forget what state it was, sending these these, these sexual texts to this person. This story just enrages me. I'll just, I'm going to play this and then we'll, we'll talk about it here.
8: District Attorney Kenneth Kratz of Calumet County, Wisconsin is under fire for sending a series of sexually suggestive text messages to a victim of domestic violence. In 2009, Kratz was prosecuting Stephanie Van Grohl's boyfriend for nearly choking her to death when the district attorney started sending her sexually
6: suggestive text messages. WISN highlights two of the 30 texts. Are you the kind of girl that likes secret contact with an older, married, elected D.A.? The riskier, the better. I'm the attorney. I have the $350,000 house. I have the six-figure career. You may be the tall, young, hot nymph, but I'm the prize.
8: Despite previously calling the story a smear campaign, Kress held a news conference Friday to apologize but refused to resign. In this video from WBAY, Kress explains what he plans to do instead.
3: After considering my selfishness and my arrogance in contacting this young woman, I immediately engaged in individual psychotherapy to address these issues. I have today decided to seek additional help in addressing these issues.
8: The Office of Lawyer Regulation says it won't pursue disciplinary action against Kratz because his conduct technically wasn't illegal. But one writer for the Crookston Times says his behavior was completely unacceptable. This was sexual harassment and intimidation at its finest. When she let him know she was not interested, the prosecutor tried to cut down her self-esteem. She said she felt pressure to have a relationship with him or he dropped the charges against her abuser, as one message alluded to. Matt says if voters want to punish him, they can do it at the polls in 2012 when he's up for re-election. But WLUK reports there are a few options to get him out sooner.
7: The first is a recall by the voters, which requires signatures and the amount of 25% of the number of ballots cast in the last governor's election. There would then be another election with the current officer automatically on the ballot. The second is removal by the governor.
8: Finally, a columnist for the Wisconsin State Journal says Kratz is just another example of a storyline Americans are, unfortunately, all too familiar with. Such behavior surely qualifies him for membership in the pantheon of powerful, intelligent men who do blatantly immoral and idiotic things, Thank former New York governor and prostitute patron Elliot Spitzer, and, of course, the poster child for this tawdry cultural narrative, Bill Clinton. Though he intends to remain as district attorney, Kratz has stepped down from his position as chairman of the Wisconsin Crime Victims Rights Board, which he helped found in 1998. I'm Kirsten Skalberstad for Newsy.com. Multiple sources, the real story.
1: So this guy, the district attorney, and he's sending text messages to a victim of violence. And then he says, oh, Instead of saying I'm sorry, he says, you know, I'm in therapy, and I'm not going to resign, and if the people don't want me, then they can vote me out. What is with that? I, I, this story just really gets, just gets me upset there, Kat.
2: I don't know how he, he isn't just – can't you get fired from a job like that? Even though people voted you in, can't you, if you, you know, uh, do something like that? Can't they just take you out of office or out of whatever your position is? He should live well, his life.
1: I think. I think the reporter said that the governor can fire the guy, or or there can be a referendum of people signing petitions to recall his uh, his election or something like that. And I hope the people up there do that because uh, it's just it's uh, it's crazy. It's crazy now. Unfortunately, you know, with the guy, you know, up there. or or anywhere, you know, a a guy in power and stuff. In case enough people get upset about this, he's just going to slide by and skate by and not have anything done with him, you know, with him saying, oh, well, I'm in rehab now, you know. uh, Yeah, that that worked really well for Tiger Woods, didn't you think?
2: Oh, gosh, you know. (laughs) And listening to him on the tape that you just played or on the, the video or whatever, he sounded like a psycho. He sounded like a pervert, and I don't know if it's just because I knew what he did, but he, there's something creepy about his voice. I don't know, but
1: um, oh no, it yeah, gets it worse. Was, I mean, if, if if you see the video of this guy, I'm um, like, you know, I mean, he's not like Brad Pitt. i mean, like, you know, he's he's somebody who like should not be like even doing that type of stuff. I mean, like even saying how you doing. I mean, this guy's just like, come on, give me a break.
2: He looks like a he looks like a greasy nerd or something. <laughs> exactly. Like, like a pasty, greasy nerd. Like.
1: Yep. Yeah.
2: Sociopath. Yeah. Si- sexual psychosexual sociopath.
1: Unless everybody you know, in Wisconsin so looks, looks, like looks like that, I have no idea. <laughs>
2: I'm,
1: I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I mean, I, you know, I, I I hope I hope this guy gets just just gets out of there and and uh, hope they vote him out and throw him out. I mean, that's really really gets me upset. Yeah.
2: Oh, I'll leave it up to the people. Yeah, I'm sure they're going to let you stay. Doubt it. Keep going to therapy and shut your mouth. You should have lost your license. Is what I think. <laughs>
1: um, speaking of more creepy things, so, so there, there's this other story I'm going to play here about somebody who said they were assaulted. The assault was like throwing acid on your face when she was, I think, at a Starbucks or something like that. We found out later in the week that she made the whole story up. Here's the story here from the Associated Press.
0: A day after police say Bethany Storo confessed to lying about being splashed with acid, there seems to be one question that is still unanswered. Why? Why would a 28-year-old woman disfigure herself by throwing acid in her own face? Residents in her hometown of Vancouver, Washington, can only speculate.
7: I think that possibly it was due to maybe the economy, losing her job, you know, who, who knows what was going through her mind.
0: She
8: was really beautiful to begin with, so it's really sad to see someone do that to themselves. I mean, she must have felt insecure or had some type of reason.
0: Storrow initially told police she was at a Starbucks on August 30th. She described how a black woman with a ponytail approached her and said, Hey, pretty girl. Want something to drink? That's when she says the woman threw acid in her face.
3: It hit me. I could actually hear bubbling and scissoring in my skin.
0: Storrow could now face charges of filing a false police report.
3: It's a criminal investigation, um,
6: and those all go to the prosecutor's office for review. They will ultimately make the
7: charging decision.
0: Police still haven't figured out why Storrow lied about the attack, but they do say she is very remorseful. Ross Simpson, The Associated Press.
1: Now, what you don't see, obviously, because this is a audio podcast, but if you search for it on YouTube, you see during her hospital news conference, her entire face, uh, her entire head is wrapped um, in gauze uh, because of the disfigurement and stuff. So it kind of adds to the to the story. But, but Kat, I can't believe that somebody would intentionally pour acid on their face to, to grab attention like this. Can you believe this?
2: I know. I, when I heard that story, I'm like, that is so crazy, you know. Uh, this morning I was watching something on one of the news stations, and they were talking about this, and it was like a panel, you know, of people talking about why would somebody do this. And one of the guys, I guess he was, I think he was a psychiatrist or something, said, well, you know, even though she lied about this, she didn't lie in a way that somebody somebody must have done something to her recently bad, but she can't for some reason talk about it, right? Like she's, she's manifesting it in another way type of thing. I can't remember exactly how he said it, but uh, obviously the woman is mentally ill. There's something going on there um, because I would think, And I mean beyond the fact that something may have happened to her recently. Let's say she was attacked recently, but she can't talk about it. Well, she must be mentally ill for her to come out with it this way. Whereas most people, I think, that if they they were attacked and they didn't feel like they could come out and talk about it or go to the police or something, they might get depressed or, or, or something like that. But I don't think that they would go to that kind of extreme, you know, and I saw pictures of this woman before and after, right? On the right. internet. Before she's a very pretty girl. Very pretty. Right. And after after she kind of looked like the Octomom, mom, except with <laughs> with like patches on her face. <laughs> so it was like, ooh. I don't like the Octo mom. but no she did she had this she looked so bad afterward i can't imagine purposely throwing and and she didn't throw actual acid right wasn't it just like hot coffee or something or she did actually throw acid in. Uh,
1: that's what the news story says so that's what i'm presuming
2: okay well that's just insanity you know and but i don't want you know i wonder if it's not a little bit of like munchausen and in a way, it, you know, it's kind of it, it can anger you, but I think with somebody like that, you just kind of have to almost feel sorry for them because they're obviously sick. Now, the only I think the only Munchausen I probably would, can never feel sorry for, I don't care what they went through, is the Munchausen by proxy, because usually they're hurting their children to get attention, you know, because they're saying, oh well, maybe she did this, you know, part of it was to get attention, you know, like the Munchausen or whatever, but. And, and okay, it kind of makes you feel bad for her, right? I guess a little bit. But my child's in my proxy. I'll never feel sorry for those. I I just can't understand how you could hurt your child to get attention for yourself. I think that is just pure evil. But uh, yeah, I you know I don't know. I, I part of me feels a little bad for her. Part of me is just like, ugh, you know, why yeah. you know, so annoying that you would lie about it? And I think you know a large portion of the, you know, why did she say a black woman? You know, I think the African-American community is kind of upset. Like, you know, why say was a black person? It's just kind of like, remember when uh, that that lady who killed her two kids by putting them in the car and then drowning them, and she said a black man did it. Who was, what's her name again? Yeah, I the forgot. Black- yeah, like there's uh, a Munchaus. Well, actually, I don't even know if she's Munch. I think she did it because, well, she's evil and psycho, but I think because her new boyfriend didn't Want her to have kids, or I don't know, but uh, you know, I think that that usually it's, 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 it upsets the African, because I I can totally understand it because it's making it you know she's putting a generalization on on their race you know why why just not say somebody did this to me a, a white person nobody's gonna say your race racist you say a white person attacked you nobody's gonna say that
5: yeah so. Yeah.
2: But uh so she added that on to herself too. But um no, she's just messed up. That woman is messed up.
1: Big um, time. It's a lot of fear. Well we uh well move on to the this uh, last story in this segment and then we'll take a quick break and I we'll have a couple other stories here. So so you remember uh, you remember that uh, the teenager uh, Natalie Holloway in Aruba, you remember that story? Yeah. Uh, there was a story this week that her mom went to the uh, uh, prison in Peru, unbeknownst to anybody, including her lawyer, that she's going to talk to this uh, Vandersloat guy up in person to try to get, his, uh, get some answers. I think it was awesome. Here is the uh, audio clip, and then we'll talk about
3: it. Suspected murderer Joran Vandersloat had a surprise visitor inside his Peru prison cell recently, the mother of Natalie Holloway. According to Beth Twitty's attorney, she entered the jail with a Dutch TV news crew. John Kelly says his client entered the jail without violating any laws or breaking any regulations. He says she was able to speak to Vandersloat for a short time before being told to leave. She apparently did not get any answers about her daughter's disappearance, but just wanted Vandersloat to know that she hasn't gone away and is determined to get answers about her daughter. The 22-year-old Vandersloat remains the prime suspect in the disappearance of the 18-year-old Holloway, who went missing five years ago while on a trip to Aruba. Vandersloat is currently in the Peruvian jail, awaiting trial for allegedly killing 21-year-old Stephanie Flores inside his Lima hotel room. Sandy Cosell, the Associated Press. So, good for her,
1: you know, Kat. I mean, that's, you know, just just going and showing up, I mean, I, I would just have loved to see that uh, in, in, on a... Maybe we will, because they had Dutch TV in there uh, with their cameras and stuff. But uh, uh, that, that's such an interesting story.
2: Yeah. Uh, you know, I heard she went to see him. I wasn't sure why, though, because I didn't catch the rest of the story. Uh, that guy, urine is a piece of <laughs> I like to call him urine, but, uh, but the thing is, you know, I feel bad for her because she says, oh, I'm not going away. But I don't think he's ever going to say anything. He's already in jail. He's got nothing to lose now. He's never going to tell her a thing. I don't think. Mm-hmm. He's a piece of garbage.
5: No. A yeah. pe- he's a slimy piece of crap. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't uh, know, I
1: don't want
2: to say other things, but I gotta
5: keep
1: it clean. I gotta keep it clean. All right. Keen. Yeah. Keep it clean. You know. Jeez. Uh, so. Uh, so we'll do. We'll take another short break. We only have uh, 13 minutes here until the top of the hour because Annie of the Annie and Burl live show is in our chat room, and I think they're going to be having their show here at the top of the hour. Very excited about that. So um, we will do a couple of other stories um, after this quick break. Don't go anywhere. We're almost done. So yay. back to the uh, last remaining moments here of the uh, Dr. Anonymous show uh, getting making the way for the uh, Indianboro Live show at the uh, top of the hour and I know whoever's in my chat room will uh, pop in that link there so I'll uh, be able to continue there uh, at the top of the hour but these uh, last couple stories here Kat gave me these uh, last couple stories actually Kat gave me most of the stories it's not all the stories here tonight so thank you so much for the, for the show prep there Kat
2: Oh, you're welcome. It
1: was my pleasure, Dr. Anonymous. <laughs> uh, so, um, people have been following these, uh, these miners in uh, Chile, uh, which is actually a tragic uh, story here, but uh, um, I'm going to play this audio clip, and I know uh, that there's been some stories about that this week uh, that we'll talk about here. A breakthrough in Chile for those 33 trapped miners. Rescuers make it to the cavern where the miners are, drilling a borehole that will now be widened so the men can be pulled to freedom. The area, some 2,000 feet beneath the surface, but officials say a rescue is still more than six weeks away. Now, workers will fit a wider bit on the drill, the effort requiring the help of miners who will sift through tons of debris falling through the hole as it gets wider. Three smaller holes are allowing rescuers to give the men food, water, medical supplies, and air. Lee Powell, the Associated Press. And I know, Kat, that you shared with something to me, with this week there was a story that you saw that uh, um, there was a baby girl born to one of the miners that are trapped in there, but what was that story that you that you read about? Uh,
2: well, there was, a, the, I guess they say the first baby of one of the miners, because I think there's another one that's due in a month or so, but they named her baby, uh, it, it's a, it was a female and they named her Hope. They had another name for it, but they named her Hope because, uh, I guess, you know, in hope of getting them out of there, but uh, it was just so sad that it was sad that he couldn't be there. But um, it was nice that you know there was some kind of good news for one of them, you know. And, and it's good that they're getting the food and the water and the air. I mean, it just it gives you hope that they'll they'll make it until they can get them out of there. But um, oh yeah, very cute, very sweet story about uh, that baby. And then there's like I said, another baby that's due. I think it was a, a month or so, so hopefully they'll be out by then. But um, only time will tell. I mean, it's been forty p- something days, right, since they've been in there.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I know that they're feverishly working on that. And you know, I, I hear bits and pieces of stories every once in a while from there, and. uh, you know, certainly. You know, we're 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 hoping and praying for them that uh, you know that uh, they'll get out of there uh, safely. So, but uh, but thank you for sharing that uh, story and this last story. It's a bit last story here of the evening. Um, so, Kat, can, can you can you imagine about uh, you know uh, walking across America just walking? I mean, that's that is a, a uh, such a uh, <laughs> such an idea that it just well outside of my mind. It's crazy.
2: I know. I I wouldn't even want to drive across America. (laughs) I mean, the idea is nice, right? You'd see all the sights and everything, but, oh, man, it would get old after a while.
1: This uh, teenager that I'll share this last story, I have an audio clip here, Zach Bonner, and uh, he is uh, part of the Little Red Wagon Foundation, and it is his goal to walk across America. I'll play the story, then we'll talk about it.
7: Zach Bonner started doing community service when he was six years old. This 12-year-old from Tampa is making a march across America to so bring attention to America's homeless children. Why walk across America?
4: It seems like um, something that was uh, very simple, but um, something that I could do that would really bring of awareness to homeless youth. Yeah. And so it just did seem like a great thing. Why, why homeless
7: youth? What is it about that cause that really has uh, captured your heart and your attention?
4: Well, as you meet these kids and you see what they've gone through, and you see the problems that they're in, um, it's really hard not to help. I know
7: your mom has helped you out on a lot of these projects, and she's going to be traveling with you.
4: Originally, when I first told her uh, that I wanted to do the walk, she... Um, she said, "Okay, you know, maybe when they're a little bit older." So I went back to her and asked her again, and she was working on the computer and so. she said, "Okay, sure." Um, and so, um, you know, I did, I I took that as a yes and um, went ahead and um, you know started making a couple of calls and. and there so, you are. Uh,
1: so just I mean I mean I saw this guy's video and that you sent me and uh, read a bit of the story. It's a very inspirational story. I mean it's, I can't even believe this kid's doing this, guy.
2: I know. I mean, that is one amazing kid. Let me just say. Um, and when you see him talk, like, remember the video I sent you when he was when he was saying his uh, he was talking in the microphone to everyone when he finally got to was Santa Monica, I think, right, the pier. Uh, just listening to him talk, I mean, he is more mature than a lot of adults I know. And I want to read this little art, this little paragraph right here out of an article. that said, the, and. Like It's going on to what that man said. Uh, Zach Zach began his life as a philanthropist when Hurricane Charlie hit his hometown of Tampa, Florida. At only six years old, he used his little red wagon to collect water, food, and clothing for families affected by the storm, homeless families. This led to his strong desire to find a way to help homeless (laughs) youth. Zach has been making a difference ever since. How can a kid at six years, because it's hard enough to think, oh, at 12 years old, somebody going through, through so much for, to help somebody else for a cause, you know. But even at six, you wouldn't think that a six-year-old would be that, that giving and that aware of, of, of other people's, you know, bad situation that they would want to help. I mean, this kid is special. This kid was, like, sent from God, I, you know. He, can you imagine if he has done this much in his 12 years of life, what he's going to do in the future? Absolutely, but yeah. But he, he is just, it gives me the chills just talking about it. I mean, you know, it almost makes me, well, it definitely makes me want to do something, be a better person and do something for somebody, you know, but it always makes me feel bad like okay i haven't done enough in my life to make a difference you know it's just like wow this kid is awesome i wish more kids were like this i wish more ad- people adults everything
1: um and if people want to check it out go to littleredwagonfoundation.com and uh, check out that site there and uh, very inspirational um story and uh, thank you for sharing that story as well it's uh um i didn't even know without without you telling me that and uh i know i'll be following this kid too and uh um you know that's you know when you hear all these stupid and you know really wild and crazy stories or stories like this that really say hey you know there is still good in this world and people still doing good things and uh you know i shouldn't be so uh so cynical about it
2: right yeah it, it makes you it makes if if you're still a cynical person after seeing that and reading this story on this kid, then there's something really wrong with you. (laughs) Because (laughs) this kid is just, oh, he's just amazing. And and I wish this story was out there more, you know, because you you don't hear that much uh, about things like this. You know, you always hear the bad things out there. The media likes to to put out all the the nasty negative stories out there and not enough like this. I think it's great. Awesome.
1: Well, that's why that's why we have that's why we have shows like this. So you so you can help me share stories like that, Cat. So uh, um, yeah. we have we only have a few minutes left, but Cat, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you for showing those sharing those stories uh, with us uh, here this evening. Uh, uh, we have a little bit more time than we usually do. We have three minutes left here. So, do you have any closing thoughts as as I close up the show here on a Saturday night?
2: Um you mean about just life in general?
1: Yeah, just life in general. What's what's wrong? Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> sorry.
2: <laughs> um life is good. Uh life is great. Uh I
5: don't
2: know. I'm like when you ask me like that I'm like uh, I'm totally caught off guard. I mean I just uh, that's a, that's a, I put you on uh, the spot I, at the end
1: of so oh, I'm into I'm into making things real awkward for people when they come on, and I've i succeeded at that. So I'm sorry for putting you on the spot way uh, at the end of the show.
2: <laughs> usually I'm yapping my I'm, usually I'm yapping my mouth till the very last minute. So all I got to say is bye everybody, I love you, bye. You know.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um. Well, as we do close up the show, I want to give i do want to give some uh, some shout outs. I want to give shout outs to people in my chat room here before we close things up. I usually don't have time to do that. So we have Dean Brandon, who's uh, Hung out for most of the show. Also, Derm Doc, Dr. Synonymous, whose uh, shows are, I believe, Tuesday nights at, I want to say 8 p.m. Eastern. And uh, J-Man and uh, Matt-Man, their show is Sunday mornings at uh, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We have a guest. We have Kimmy, and uh, we have our good friend Liz uh, in the chat room. And for those of you uh, who are also... listening on your phone or anything like that, but I can't see you in the chat room. Thank you for, for joining us. And, uh, you know, Kat, we, we just, we have the best audience uh, around. They're just, they're, they're the best people that come in here and listen to us chat. And they, uh, they, they type in the chat room. I mean, I think these, these guys are awesome.
2: I love the audience. They rock. <laughs> I do. You know, I love it when people come and, and listen to our show. Thanks everybody for coming. That's awesome. Um, Thank you, Doctor Anonymous, for for having me on the show, and and I had a great time as usual. I think we had some great stories tonight. You ended off with such a a, a feel good story. I, I just, oh, I'm just so amazed by that kid. I just can't believe it. You know.
1: Um, I, I do have some bad news, though. Um,
2: what? I, I'm
1: I'm on call next weekend, so there won't be any Saturday show. So, so sorry about that, Kat.
2: Well, that's okay. I work anyway, so I work next Saturday. So, I mean, <laughs> so it worked out. Well, so it worked out perfectly. <laughs> In All fact, I'd right, love it if you if, I would love it if you knew these things like for sure a month ahead of time before i ask, you know, request my schedule cuz then I could just work on the Saturdays that you're on call.
1: No. Oh, okay. would be awesome. okay. We'll can. can. We can, we'll talk
2: about that off
1: the air, though, okay? <laughs> right. So we got about 30 seconds left, so okay. say goodnight, Kat.
6: Right.
2: Bye, everybody. Okay, bye,
1: everybody. Thank you. Love you. Bye. <laughs> all right, Chad. so that's all I have. I have about 20 seconds left here. So. I want to thank everybody for, for joining me here uh, this evening. At the top of the hour in less than 20 seconds will be the Indianboro Live Show coming up right here on Blog Talk Radio. So uh, thank you for joining me here. I very much appreciate it. Go to DrAnonymous.com to learn more about me. Good night, everybody.